Good morning. Today our scripture is from 1 Timothy 1, 12-17. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I watched a little video clip this week of uh, missionary Karen Watson. You probably will not recognize that name. Who counted the cost of following Christ. And that's why she left a letter with her pastor three years before going to Iraq. She went to Iraq to provide uh, humanitarian relief in the name of Jesus, but she was gunned down in the country she came to serve. And the letter began, you're only reading this if I died. It included uh, gracious words to her family and to her friends. And then this simple summary of following Christ. To obey was my objective. To suffer was expected, his glory my reward. Around the year 1900, uh, the name Ernest Shackleton was legendary. Everybody knew the name, especially in Great Britain. He ran an advertisement in the uh, London newspaper, and it went this way. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, Long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. Do you know that thousands of men responded to that advertisement in the newspaper? Because the advertisement was signed by no less than the noted Arctic explorer, Sir Sir Ernest Shackleton. And that was what made the difference. They were excited to have an adventure and travel with Ernest Shackleton. Jesus Christ has been running a regular column for the last 2,000 years. It's a call to discipleship. It's a call to serve under severe conditions. A paraphrased, it might read something like this. Men and women wanted for difficult task of helping to build God's church You'll often be misunderstood, even by those working with you. You'll face constant attack from the invisible enemy. You may not see the results of your labor, and your full reward will not come until after your work is completed. It may cost you your home, your ambitions, even your life. Throughout the years, Jesus has been receiving applications to be employed in his service. He's the greatest boss He's the greatest master you could ever work for. And uh, the task of building 
His kingdom has no limits to its joy. There's nothing better to give your life for. And men and women through the years have done just exactly that. This morning I, I want to uh, bring a perspective from the letter to First Timothy. And it's a call to all of us to be involved in the service of the Master. And I also want to specifically extend an invitation to those that God may be leading into full-time Christian ministry. Uh, sometimes I step back and I wonder what God is doing among us. And I know that uh, none of us know how He's really working in the body here at TCC. I don't know what God is saying to you specifically. Sometimes I, when we get a hint, uh, we put a hand upon your shoulder and we say, I have a sense that God is, is leading you out, calling you out to something. And we want to be faithful to do that. It would not be a surprise to me in the least that the Holy Spirit is preparing some people for uh, a life of ministry as a pastor, as a missionary, a Christian counselor, a, an instructor in a seminary, college, or some other related Christian service. That wouldn't surprise me at all. That's what God does. And so I, would, I, I want to just give that call at the end of the service uh, this morning. And I would invite you to simply say yes. If you're hearing those whispers from the Spirit in these days, just simply say yes and allow God to work out the details. Simply say yes. I don't know how it would ever work out in my life. And I would just say don't try to answer that one. Just say if you're hearing the whisper, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Of course, Lord. And he will show you the next steps. But I want you to be open today uh, uh, as we look at his word, that uh, what God might say to you. We don't know how he might speak and uh, what he will do and how well that uh, today uh, might just fit into the timetable of our Lord. Now, we've been cruising through the New Testament, and we've been looking at uh, all the Pauline writings. And our, our boat has stopped in Corinth, and uh, we've uh, pulled into Ephesus, and we've sailed into Philippi, and we've walked over to Colossae, and we've trekked over to Galatia, and we're, we've taken harbor in Thessalonica. And today we're back in Ephesus again. And you're watching a young man uh, walk to the mailbox and pick up a letter from his uh, dearly beloved mentor and friend, the Apostle Paul. How cool to get a, a letter personally from the Apostle himself. And so this is the first letter to Timothy. And I think Timothy was really looking forward to this letter. I'm sure he couldn't wait to get in a quiet place so he could just read it and reread it and digest it and, and see what his uh, wonderful friend had to say to him. Paul and Timothy were very close. I think they could probably finish one another's sentences. So I'm sure it was tough being away from one another. Often, you know, pastors go on uh, little personal retreats to pray and seek God's direction for ministry. I heard about a pastor who left town for a few days for a retreat and uh, when he was away, uh, someone called the church office and asked, may I speak with the pastor? And the secretary replied, uh, I'm sorry, he's gone to be with the Lord. <laughs> there was a long silence on the other end of the telephone, and the secretary realized how she had put that. 
He said, buddy, he'll be back next week. I think it was our executive director uh, who, who was with us uh, last week at the executive meetings for Taylor. And uh, he was sharing that when he was in college, there were, there were two guys that were in the same dorm room, and they named their bunk beds in the Word. Strange to call your bed in the Word. But uh, when someone called looking for them and they didn't want to answer the phone, the other person simply said, Oh, He's in the Word. He can't be disturbed right now. Timothy, I'm sure, was uh, missing Paul. And to have this letter arrive in the mailbox was an incredible encouragement to him. Paul had met Timothy some years before in, in his travels to a little town called Lystra. You can read all about it in Acts chapter 16. Paul actually visited Lystra on a couple of occasions. The second time he was there, he gently put his hand upon Timothy's shoulder and said to him that he felt God was calling him to ministry and to serve in, in the building up of the church. His mom was Jewish. His dad was Greek. But Timothy had become a bright light in the congregation uh, in Lystra. And he was very well appreciated, and Paul didn't take long for him to recognize how well appreciated Timothy was, and he, he saw that almost immediately. So Paul put his hand on his shoulder and invited him to come along and be part of what God was doing in raising up the Church of Jesus Christ in Asia Minor and in Europe. Now, you remember that Paul wasn't too pleased with John Mark, uh, so I think he had some pretty high standards, but he believed that God had his hand upon Timothy, and he was calling him out. And he wanted Timothy to travel with him. Just as a side thought here, some of us are serving uh, on the Taylor board. Sid is a prof over at the seminary. And, uh, and uh, we think a lot about raising up future leaders. The, the mission of Taylor is to develop Christ-minded leaders who make a difference in the world. And when you think of it, that's a great mission statement. And we talk a lot about different models and different paradigms of raising up leaders who make a difference in the world, different systems of delivery. And we live in the world of online courses. So you could live in Brazil and take a course here at Taylor. You could live in Cameroon. You could live anywhere in the world and take online courses. I think Brad is studying here at seminary Hebrew this semester, doing a full-time job, but learning Hebrew, of all the courses in the world that you would choose Hebrew, walking around probably all day with a little thing in your pocket saying, memorizing Hebrew. But he's up for a challenge, obviously. How incredible that Timothy received an education from the mentorship of Paul. I mean, what better education than to follow along with a man of God? You watch him, you listen to him, you see how he does things, you do some of those things. He helps you think through your understanding of who God is. You see Paul wrestling with opposition. You see him wrestling with troubles in life. You see him in prison uh, and singing hymns at midnight. And you, you see his theology and all of this. I mean, what a seminary education he got on the job learning the apprenticeship model. What could be better than that? We're not all the same as leaders. As pastors, I mean, that's a good thing. Timothy wasn't like Paul. He learned from him, but he wasn't like him, just uh, exactly a, a clone. I, I think Paul came across probably as more daring and more bold, and Timothy was probably more shy and reserved, and uh, Paul was probably more the innovator and the adventurer, and Timothy was probably more the helper and the, uh, the supporter. And then one day, Paul releases Timothy to pastor a church. Wow, it's like 
He's ready to fly out of the nest. He goes and, and he's going to pastor a church. He's going to try out his wings. But he also stays in touch with Timothy. And that's what this letter is all about. Staying in touch with someone you've released for ministry. And he's, he's encouraging him. He's laying the foundation for ministry. He's giving him a philosophy of ministry. He's stressing to him what is important. He's helping him to get this church uh, strong and, and, and vibrant for, for Christ. And by the way, now, Timothy is now pastoring this church in Ephesus. He's the pastor. He's out of the nest. It's his baby. Now, what do you want to say to your son in ministry? Because that's what Paul called him, verse 2. I'm writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. What do you want to say? There are some things that you might appreciate knowing about Paul and Timothy. It may well have been that, that Timothy needed some assurance that he was called of God, that he was called to give leadership in the local church. Now, that's not uncommon for a pastor to come uh, to a crisis in his or her ministry and, and say, oh, what am I doing? Should I have signed up for this? Did I really hear the call of God in entering the ministry? I mean, I'm sure I, every pastor has that conversation many times through the years. I think Timothy had those doubts and needed assurance because in verse 18 of the first chapter, Paul writes to him and says, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. It's like he is saying, remember the time when we gathered around you and we prayed? And the Lord gave us some words to share with you about you. And those were words of commissioning. Those were words of authority. Those were words of confirmation that God had called you out to be a pastor. And then you see a repetition of that thought in chapter 4, verse 14, when Paul says, Do not neglect the spiritual gift that you have received through the prophecy given over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Timothy, you need to be reminded that you are called of God. You need to go back when you're in crisis and think through some of the events surrounding your call. You know it in your heart, but it was confirmed publicly with the laying on of hands and the ministry of the elders. And there was a sense when we gathered around you that day that God was calling you out to ministry. One of the very emotional moments in my life came with the laying on of hands at my ordination service. East Olds Baptist Church, 1973. I know. Ancient. And as I knelt before the congregation, the pastors and deacons came around me and laid on their hands. And Marg joined me on the platform. And together we knelt before the Lord and His church and these men and women laid their hands upon us, and it was an unforgettable moment. I still picture it so vividly in my mind. And yes, I look back to that time often and say, but God is called, and we're responding to that call. This is our, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, of course, Lord, I would love to. And in the moments of crisis and wondering what this is all about, it's good to be able to look back and say, but God has called. 
And Paul was saying that to Timothy. Just take a moment to reflect on how God has led you. And remember when those elders came around you and God gave you the words that you were called of him. And God gave you a spiritual gift at that time to be used in the ministry. So there was some sense of doubting his call. Secondly, it appears that uh, Timothy battled some discouragement. Uh, An elderly woman walked into the local country church. A friendly usher greeted her at the door and helped her up the flight of stairs. Where would you like to sit, he asked. The front row, please, she answered. You really don't want to do that, the usher said. The pastor's really boring. Do you happen to know who I am, asked the woman. No, said the usher. I'm the pastor's mother, she replied indignantly. Do you know who I am, the usher asked. No, she said. Good. (laughs) I don't think Timothy's mom was there to keep the ushers in check. Timothy had his round of discouragement. Now, discouragement isn't uncommon to all of us, and it certainly isn't uncommon to pastors. There are certain things that bring discouragement in ministry. Ephesus wasn't a particularly easy church. And one of the discouraging things was the crazy things that people embraced about about their faith and and how they promoted their ideas. And and that was particularly discouraging to come against those crazy thoughts that they had. So Timothy had to teach and clarify and say, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. And, And it wasn't the kind of mode that he liked to teach in. Verse 3 of the first chapter gives you an inkling on this. When I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. Some weird stuff that Timothy had to knock his head against uh, and not easy. And Paul said, I urged you to stay there. Stay there in Ephesus. We think Timothy was saying, I don't want to stay here. I want out of here. I've had enough of this. But Paul is saying, we need you to stay there. And you need to help this church get on the right track. And keep this church from going into the ditches and all this controversial stuff. And then you also get the sense that the church was hard for Timothy because they didn't want to allow him to be the pastor. They didn't take him as seriously as they should. Partly because he was young. And he was still earning his stripes. But that was discouraging for Timothy. It's wonderful to see these kids up here this morning. And to know that God will lay his hand upon these kids. And that we honor them as kids. God loves them. God will raise them up. God will call some of them out to ministry. And, and, and the task of a congregation is to love them and to build bridges to them and join hands in, with our teachers and parents and encouraging them. It's, it's discouraging for any young pastor who steps out of seminary these days and goes to a church. I remember graduating from seminary and going to our first congregation in uh, Iron Prior, Ontario, the church where Pastor Norb and Tina have been part of. That's kind of interesting that we both are part of that same church. 
And I was 26 years old, preached only a dozen sermons in my life. I was a green banana. And suddenly I was the pastor. You wake up one morning and you're the pastor. This is like, how did that happen? I was the preacher at both Sunday services. I mean, imagine having to endure two sermons by this young guy who's trying to find his way. And, and suddenly I realized that I was the moderator of the board. How did that ever happen? And I was the chair of the deacons. I didn't read the fine print very closely. And I looked around me and everybody else in leadership was absolutely ancient. Forty years old. And fifty. And sixty. Talk about being intimidated. And all the patience of a church to help us get on our feet and acquire the confidence that we need to lead. It takes a while to get comfortable in your new role. And Paul knew that Timothy would face this, so he tries to encourage him in chapter 4, verse 12. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live in your love and your faith and in your purity. It doesn't take long to notice that we're a fairly young church at TCC. And we have some young leaders. But I tell you, they have great hearts for God. And God is using them. And God is raising them up. And we say to our leaders, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. <clears throat> Be an example in the way you live <clears throat> in your love and in your faith and in your purity. And added to that, it appears that uh, Timothy also had some physical problems. Here in, is verse 23 of chapter 5. Don't drink only water. You ought to drink a little wine for the sake of your stomach because you are sick so often. Timothy was struggling with something that was physically difficult for him. He was always getting a bug of some sort. You know, Paul had his thorn in the flesh and maybe Tim Timothy had his thorn in the flesh too. It's just something else. This is my observation through the years. And... Uh, I, it's not scientific, and I really can't back it up. But I have observed that people in vocational ministry need prayer to protect against sickness and issues that relate to health. I've just watched so many people enter into ministry, and before long, they're struggling with something. They're contending with something, often related to stress. Now, I don't think I'll say anything more about that, only to ask you when you pray for your pastors to pray for our health and, and to pray for grace and protection for the health of people who are in leadership. Because the stresses of ministry take a toll on the health of leaders, both emotionally and physically. Now, I'm going to be very brief, <clears throat> I promise and simply list three major uh, messages that Paul is uh, giving to young Timothy. And uh, those three messages are found in the first chapter of uh, 1 Timothy, but they're supported uh, throughout the whole letter of 1 Timothy and even into the second letter uh, uh, of Timothy. Uh, the same messages keep coming across. What would you say to Paul or to Timothy if you were Paul, and you wanted to get a message across to him. No email, no texting, no tweeting. 
but snail mail that takes months, perhaps, to actually get there. Uh, well, here's the message, and it's all found in the first chapter. First of all, emphasize solid biblical teaching. <clears throat> Timothy, preach the word. Now, that comes across in a variety of ways. In the first chapter, it seems to come across as a <clears throat> teach a sound doctrine. He's urged in uh, verses 3 and 4 to stay in Ephesus and try to put a stop to those who are teaching contrary to the truth. Uh, it seems that there are false teachers in Ephesus and they're trying to divert the followers of Christ from the truth. Actually, these are pretty strong words in the New International Version. It says, command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer. Pastor Timothy, you are charged, you are commissioned to put a stop to the false teaching in Ephesus. Now, sometimes the best way to put a stop to false teaching is simply to teach the truth. And then there are other times when you need to come against the false teaching. We need to emphasize solid biblical teaching. At uh, TCC, we don't have a message other than a biblical message. We don't have a philosophy that we want to perpetuate other than what the Word of God says. We want to proclaim the Word of God. And friends, sometimes that's done in different ways. It can be an expository message from the Bible. We can take a look at a passage. We focus on a passage. We search at other scriptures related to the passage. And, and we apply it to the world in which we live. And then sometimes we start from a topic and move to the scripture to support the, script, the subject that's being taught. And both are appropriate as long as it has a scriptural foundation. Certain subjects and topics can be handled from an expository point of view and others from a, a topical framework. Home groups, we cover a variety of subjects, whatever is pertinent to our group. But at the very foundation of our studies is, is a biblical undergirding. If we walk away from a home group and we don't have biblical support and teaching, it might be good material that we've looked at, but we, we lack the truth of God's Word. In chapter 4, verse 13, Paul says to Timothy, Until I get there, focus on reading the Scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. A congregation grows when we give focus to the Word of God, to teaching, to opening up the Word. Why? Because our, our hearts are hungry for the Word of God. We really are. And whenever you search out the Word of God in your own private life, you're always better for it. I mean, I promise you, you read the Word day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out. You do that over the seasons of your life, and you are no longer the same person. The Holy Spirit is faithful to take His Word and bring transformation to our lives. So the first message that Paul really wanted Timothy to hear was emphasize the Word of God. Timothy, solid biblical teaching, whatever you do. Secondly is communicate the good news. Uh, in a sweeping passage from verse 12 to verse 17, the section that Bob read, Paul gets fired up about his conversion. And he marvels at the grace of God in his life. And he recalls his life of sin in opposition to the ways of God. But then he said, Oh, God had mercy on me. Oh, how generous and gracious 
our Lord was. He says, I'm an example of the Lord's patience. Perhaps so that everyone else can realize that God will be patient with you too. Verse 16, that others will realize that they too can believe in Him and receive eternal life. And that's the message of the church. I'm here. I'm forgiven. I'm not perfect. I'm on, my, on a journey. But God loves me. And God is at work in my life. Someone has said, sharing the good news of Christ is simply one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. And that's our message as well, to communicate the good news that we've discovered in Christ. Uh, all of us know very well that uh, in order to be effective in communicating the good news, that it takes a, an undergirding relationship building. So true in our community. Not enough just to build a church in our community of, of wood and steel and so on, but important to build relationships, and that's what we've been trying to do in the last eight years. And then finally, remain faithful. These are the words from uh, verses 18 to 20. And Paul is saying, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. Now, this is a reminder that we're in a spiritual battle. And we are re remembering what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6. That to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power and put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Friends, I tell you this. Every local church is in a battle. Every local church is in a battle. Sometimes you see it much more apparently and visibly and sometimes it seems relatively undetected. But every church is in a battle because the enemy will seek to knock every church off target. It's not enough for the local church to have solid biblical teaching and to make an effort to communicate the good news. We must also keep our shields up because the enemy would love to find a hole in the armor. He would love to find a way to bring disunity and therefore immobilize the impact of the church. Timothy, fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith. Keep your conscience clear. Don't let your personal life fall into shambles and impurity. Be faithful and persevere and keep perspective. And God will see you through. Three messages from Paul to Timothy. Solid biblical teaching. Communicate the good news. And stay relevant and stay faithful as you uh, walk with God. Remember that advertisement that Shackleton put in the London newspaper? And his marketing wasn't devious in any way. He told it as it was, and yet thousands answered the ad and they said they would love to be on board with him. Before we join our voices in uh, a meaningful song of worship, I just like our penis to come, if you would. And uh, I'm just going to put it on pause here for a, a second or two. Uh, it may well be that uh, there are some here this morning that, that are sensing that God is speaking to them about vocational ministry. And maybe you're saying, uh, I'm sensing God 
whispering to me about ministry somewhere, somehow. I don't know the details, but I sense he's saying, I want you to follow in that direction. I don't know what it means, but I'm willing. Lord, of course, absolutely. Yes, Lord, I would love to. Knowing what you know and having many questions, would you stand if there's a whisper in your heart these days? I won't prolong this because you'll know. I'm just simply asking you to acknowledge it. In fact, I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm just going to ask you to look. And if there's people here today who are just sensing the call of God, it's a stirring of God. You don't quite figure it out. But you're willing to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Then I invite you to stand and then just to be seated again.